But the gift that we would be thinking about this morning is the gift of our prayer, our prayer on behalf of our dads, the gift of specific, focused, Bible-grounded prayer turned in dad's direction. Certainly, if anyone ever needed prayer in our day, it would be dads. Like it or not, it, it, it is a difficult culture that we live in, and raising families in this culture is extremely difficult. And, and dads today oftentimes feel like they can't keep the family boat afloat. It's just a real challenge. And, and while some dads may have more skill or maybe they have more practice than other dads have had, all dads at times feel like the water's pouring into their boat, their family boat, faster than they can bail it out. And so what dad is there who does not need prayer, who would not want prayer um, and be exceedingly grateful if his family, his wife and his children were bringing focused prayer into his life on a regular basis? That's really what we want to talk about together. For just a few moments, let's look at four Great gift ideas for dads that we can wrap in prayer and give him at any time for all of time. And to help us do that, you're going to need to have your Bible. You'll need to have that little note page that uh, you pulled out of your bulletin. For the next few moments then, imagine with with me that, that you're in a very unique store. We'll call it the Bible store. And you're looking for Father's Day gifts. And you have a cart in front of you, and you're going to push it down various aisles in the Bible store looking for those perfect gifts for Dad. But uh, you're going to need to get oriented first because it's a big store, this Bible store. And so you want to start in the right place. And so for that, we're going to be, first of all, in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. And we'll just simply call this place in the Bible store, the Customer Service Center. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. In the closing minutes of Jesus' well-known Sermon on the Mount that Matthew records for us, it's a sermon that takes up all of chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. It is in chapter 7 and verse 7 that Jesus talks about prayer. Now, he talks about prayer earlier in chapter 6, But he returns to the subject one more time before he wraps his sermon up. And so follow along in your Bible as I read verses 7 through 11. We'll have them up on the screen for you as well. Jesus says, ask. We know immediately the context is prayer. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? We'll stop right there. You know, of all the passages on prayer that there are in the scriptures, this is, this is, to my way of thinking, one of the very best. And it truly deserves a whole morning just for itself. But today we'll simply let it serve to remind us of two great truths concerning prayer before we go looking in some other places in the Bible store. 
for some prayer gifts for dads. As we glance again at verses 7 through 11, let's not miss that there is a wonderful open invitation given to us by Jesus here as it relates to prayer, and there is a rich illustration provided as well. What an invitation is extended by Jesus to all who know him as Lord and Savior. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus as your Savior and in simple saving faith, Jesus says that one of the great privileges that comes to you as a follower of his, as a lover of him, is is that you get to pray. You get the privilege of communicating with the living God any time that you want. The privilege of entering through prayer into heaven and into the very throne room of God, and there you enjoy time with him. You can worship him. You can praise him. You can thank him. You can confess your sin and and, and the challenges in your life to him. And Jesus says three times in this passage that you can ask him for things, the things that are on your heart. Ask, seek, knock, he says, for anything that is on your heart. So what an invitation to every believer in Jesus from the most eminent theologian to the lowliest person who who can't even read, from the wealthy to the poorest of the poor, from the youngest child to the oldest saint, everyone who trusts in me, Jesus says, can ask my father who is their father for things for themselves and for others. So if we know Jesus this morning, We can give the special gift of prayer to our fathers today and in the days to come. But before we leave this place, let's also not miss the rich illustration that Jesus provides in this moment. He asks two rhetorical questions, and they're both rooted, if you noticed, in the setting of the family, the relationship of a parent to children. And so on this Father's Day, what a a What a great fit. Jesus says, listen, as parents, you would never hand your child a a, a rock to nibble on when they've asked you for bread. You would not hand them a a snake when they've asked you for some dried fish. And and you're you're their loving mother, you're their loving father, and you simply would not do that, even though you yourself are not a perfect person. You're not a perfect parent. You have a sin nature. You were born with that nature, and often that nature expresses itself in your parenting. But even so, you would never do anything to harm your child. You would only seek to do them good. And if that is true for you, though you are not a perfect parent, how much more, Jesus says, is your heavenly Father, who is sinless and holy and righteous and perfect, going to hear your requests as his children and do you good? How much more? Isn't it interesting here that when Jesus goes hunting for an illustration of God's heart towards us when it comes to this subject of prayer, he settles upon the parent-child relationship as the most as the most beautiful way to express that. Selfless, sacrificing, giving, a loving relationship. God is all of those things. And and the family is supposed to be like that. So Jesus draws our attention to God's nature as the perfect father. And he says, if you know how to parent and give good gifts to your kids, how much more does God know how to do that for you when you ask? I feel sad, and I know you would as well, 
when I think about the fact that, that there are people who don't know the God of the Bible. They have never given their life to faith in Jesus, and they don't have the heavenly Father that you have, a Father who is infinitely bigger than them, bigger than their world, bigger than their fears, their hurts, their, their, their dreams, their longings. They don't have that. How sad that is. And how blessed we are to, to have a heavenly Father today. Amen? Even if we didn't have an earthly father that, that, that warms our heart, we have a wonderful heavenly father. And so Jesus says in Matthew 7, your heavenly father wants to do you good as, as the only true, trustworthy, perfect father that there is. And so ask him. Just like your child would climb up into your lap and, and ask you for the issues in their life and the needs in their life, you in prayer climb up into the lap of your Heavenly Father and you do the same thing. An open invitation to spend time with a perfect Father. So there we are. We're, we're at the customer service counter. We've kind of gotten an orientation, a little bit of an introduction into the prayer thought. So let's go get now those special prayer gifts for fathers that they will guarantee they're going to like these gifts and they desperately need them as well. The last line of verse 11 said, Your Father in heaven will give good gifts to those who what? Who ask Him. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go to four places in our Bibles where the context is prayer and the feature of asking of God is very prominent. You won't be able to miss it. And we'll just see what it is that's being asked for in these four different places and see if what's being asked for is something that we would desire to ask God for on the behalf of our dads. So with your note page handy, would you take your Bible first? Let's push our cart down another aisle. And this aisle would take us into the Old Testament, if you would, to the book of Psalms and to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Make your way there. This psalm is a song, actually, of David, who was Israel's greatest ancient king. But it's not just a song. It is a prayer. It is a prayer, in fact, that David sets to music. And in this prayer, David begins by calling out to God as the only one who can, he can turn to for deliverance from uh, enemies that are within his kingdom and then outside of his kingdom and are threatening from, from that direction. And so here's how he begins his prayer song. Verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war arise against me, yet I will be confident. David says, I know where my strength lies. And then comes verse 4. And look at what he asks for. One thing have I asked of the Lord. That will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What is this? Well, I would suggest to us that this is an appeal by David to God as his father for divine help, help that will enable him to be a 100% Godward-focused man. That's what he's asking for. He wants his relationship, he wants his fellowship, his daily walk with God to be so intimate and alive that it is as if 
he were 24 hours a day living in the very sanctuary where God is worshipped and sought and served. He says, that's what I want. I want to be a God-focused man so that whether... So whether I am in the king's palace or I'm out on the battlefield or, or I'm dealing with matters of state or I'm involved in relationships, he says, I want my heart, I want my, 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 my heart to, to live in the presence, the very presence of God. I want to be aware of God at every moment, gazing on his beauty, thinking about him, seeking him. That's the one thing. I don't want anything else. I just want that. A Godward focused life, David says. Now, what a great thing to pray for a dad. What a great prayer gift to give to him. Making this specific request of God on his behalf. When he's at home, when he's at work, when he's at play, when he's being a dad like the guy in the the video a little bit earlier, when he's doing that, Lord, may my May, may, may my dad's heart, that's what we pray, may my, may my dad's heart, or, or maybe the, 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 the father of my children, a wife would pray, may they, they be so God aware, so, so focused on, on you that, that straying from you and trusting in themselves and making decisions in their, their own wisdom will not be an option. Aware of you in his life so much that he will live for your glory. A Godward-focused Father. Lord, can I ask you for that? Can I, can I buy that gift and give it to my dad? To the father of my children? Here in Psalm 27, David knows what happens if this prayer gets granted. Verse 5. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. David says, I know that, that if this prayer gets granted, I'm going to be secure. I'm going to be standing on the rock. As a priceless gift to your dad or to the father of your children, commit to ask God to mold him into a God-aware father, a God-focused dad. Because you can't go wrong if you pray like that. You just can't go wrong. Put that gift in your cart. To give to him. But then let's push our cart, uh, our shopping cart down another aisle. And to do that, let's leave Psalms, run one book to the right in your Bible, find the book of Proverbs, if you would. Let's pick up another prayer gift for dad. Proverbs chapter 30, almost to the end of the book of Proverbs, verses 7 and 8. And here again, in the context of prayer, a request is made of God. Only this time it's not one request, it's two. And the person who's praying this says this, verse 7. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Deny them not to me before I die. First, remove far from me falsehood and lying. And second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. You want to give your dad a special gift? Pray consistently for him that he would be a truthful father. Not just a truthful father, but a truthful father. You know, truth is an increasingly hard commodity to come by in our day. In a a psychology article titled The Truth About Lying, 
The author refers to in research that has been done on this topic. And what's written in this article is not encouraging. Let me just give you a quote. Most people, this is in our culture, lie once or twice a day, almost as often as they snack from the refrigerator or brush their teeth. Both men and women lie approximately the same amount and in approximately a fifth of their social exchanges that last, that last 10 or more minutes. So if you're engaged with somebody for 10 minutes or longer, you're, you're going to lie in, 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 in one-fifth of those. And then it goes on to say, over the course of a week, both men and women deceive about 30% of those with whom they interact one-on-one. A third of your relationships in our culture are going to be marked by lying. Furthermore, this was most interesting, some types of relationships, such as that between parents and teens, are virtual magnets for deception, magnets for lying. And here's the, here's the statistic. College students lie to their mothers in one out of two conversations, on average, in our, in our culture. My truth is hard to come by, isn't it? But on a more positive note, I, I read of a young boy who was called to testify in an important lawsuit. The prosecuting attorney cross-examines the boy and, and then asks what he thinks will be the credibility-crushing question of this little boy that would destroy his testimony. He says to the little boy, he says, your father has been telling you how to testify, hasn't he? And the little boy says, yes. Now the lawyer said, just tell the judge how your father told you to testify. Well, my dad told me the lawyers would try to tangle me up in my words. But if I would just be careful to tell the truth, I could repeat the same thing every time. <laughs> Turned the tables on the lawyer, didn't it? And way to go, dad, right? Way to go, dad. You know, the writer of this prayer in Proverbs 30, verse 7, wants to be a truthful man. Perhaps because he's read some of the Proverbs that are earlier in this book. For example, in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 19, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Or from verse 22 of Proverbs 12, the Lord detests lying lips. The Lord detests Lying lips, but he what? He delights in men who are truthful. He delights in that. A dad who cannot be trusted is, is, a, is really a miserable figure. I was so blessed to have a father who his whole life, I, I could trust my dad. He's been gone for nine years. But one of the great legacies that he has left to me was the legacy of, of trust. It's one of the most precious things I have from him. Now, not every person can say that. Hope you can about your dad, but I know not everybody can do that. But what is true, though, for everyone in this room is that there, there may be nothing more critical to any relationship in your life that is healthy than that it is built on a foundation of trust, right? That's, that's how healthy relationships happen, a foundation of trust. And dad sets the tone for that in the home. We give fathers a great and very valuable gift when we commit to pray that they will be truthful men, truthful dads. But there's a second request that the praying person here in Proverbs 30 made. It's in verse 7. Well, not in verse 7, verse 8. 
Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die, remove far from me falsehood and lying, and then the second request, give me neither poverty nor riches, feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. At the bottom of your page, what is the, what's the third thing you would pick up and put in our cart as a, as a prayer gift to give to dad? What would it be? That they'd be content, right? That, that our, our, our dads would be contented fathers. Interestingly and rightly, the, the writer here acknowledges that everything that he has, he's gotten from God. It doesn't come from him. Uh, he doesn't entertain some false notion that his possessions are the result of his, his skill or what he's done or some special work or something that he's merited or deserved. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the Holy Spirit says, What do you have that you didn't get from God? Not one thing that you didn't get from him. And so we pray for a dad who will be contented with what God gives. But it's very interesting here that, that, uh, that this, this man says, just, just give me what I need. I'm not looking to become rich. Just, just give me what I need. And so here we would pray the same thing for dad, a dad who isn't caught up and entangled by the materialistic culture that uh, is all around us. That dad is going to be a blessed father. And so the writer here uh, is fearful that if he has a lot, well, maybe he'll start trusting in his possessions and not in his God, and he doesn't want that. Or if he doesn't have very much, he's afraid he might stoop to breaking the law. In either case, his testimony before others, before his family, before his children would be destroyed, and, and so he prays for contentment. How many dads have brought devastation upon their fel- them, themselves, upon their homes, upon their children, their wives, because they were not content? It's a great prayer, a prayer to give to give to your dad. In fact, if you'll take a look with me, run, uh, you might want to run your Bible to uh, flip your page over, flip your study page over, save you a little bit of time. First Timothy chapter 6, just take a look because I reprinted this passage uh, at the top of your page. The Holy Spirit writes to the Apostle Paul a little bit more about this topic of contentment. But godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world we cannot take anything out of the world but if we have food and clothing with these we will be content but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare into many senseless harmless harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs many pangs, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. You want your dad, you want your father, the father of your children to be a man of God? Then pray this gift into his life, that he'd be a contented father. Not only will that bless him, but that will bless those who are part of his life. And while we could think of many other father-focused prayer gifts to give to dad today, let's just pick up one more and put it in our cart before we we move on. Make your way over to another aisle in the Bible store, this time in the New Testament, the book of James, chapter 1 and verse 5. James 1, 5. And once again, the context is prayer. 
If any of you lacks what? Wisdom. Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. What's the fourth virtue that we could pray into our, parent, our dad's lives? Wisdom. That he might be a wise father. God, as only you can, make my dad wise. Make the father of our children a wise man. Now, what exactly is this wisdom that we would be asking God for? You know, sometimes we think of of wisdom uh, or or being wise. That's someone who has lots of knowledge. They have a lot of information. They've had a lot of different life experiences, perhaps, and and, uh, and accumulated um, information, and they're generally older. They have intellectual ability, and we sometimes call them very wise. But that is not what's in view here. The kind of wisdom that James is speaking about would be best defined as a Holy Spirit-given ability to practically apply Scripture to the issues of life. There's a thousand and one things that happen in your life. And wisdom, biblical wisdom, is the ability to take by the Spirit enabling you to do this, to take the Word of God and apply it to the issues in your life. That's wisdom. And so we pray that for our dad. And, 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 and who of us, when we think of wisdom in the Bible, doesn't almost immediately think of one person? Who do we think of? Solomon. Sure, we think of Solomon. Most of us are familiar with his story, even if we don't know where it's found. First Kings chapter 3, God comes to Solomon in a dream, we're told there, and, 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 and he's about to inherit his father's kingdom and become the new king. And so God comes and says, you can ask me for anything you want, and I'm going to do it. Talk about a, a wow kind of a moment. So here's what we read. Solomon's request, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. In other words, it pleased God greatly that a man would desire wisdom over riches or power or a long life. And if you know the story, not only does God grant uh, Solomon's petition for wisdom, he then gives him all the stuff he didn't ask for on top of that. And of course, true to his word, God made the wisdom that he gave to Solomon the stuff of legend. Whenever we talk about Solomon, we think about this. No one ever wiser than him. And so ask God to give your dad or your, uh, the, 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 the father of your children, wives, ask God to give them this practical ability to apply divine truth, biblical truth to the issues of life. Because in doing that, they will benefit not only their children and their home, but all those who come in contact with them. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, recall again what Jesus said back at the very beginning when we were at the customer service counter. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who 
what? Ask Him. We've just considered four. There are so many more. But, Father, we would pray for our dads today. We would pray for them that they would be Godward-focused fathers, that they would be truthful fathers, that they would be contented dads, that they would be wise fathers. Honestly, we can give them no more precious or valuable gift than this kind of a gift. Though you may have given your father a really special gift this this, whole, this Father's Day, nothing would compare with this. And this he would want more than any other gift you could give him. Truly. Because it is the gift that will make him not only a blessed man, but a great dad. Amen? And amen. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to you for your word. Thank you for the challenges that come to us uh, as we think about how do we do life with you and how can we do it better. Thank you for the instruction that comes from your word too. We, uh, we're just so grateful. We, want, we would really love to be able to pray these prayers and it won't happen if you don't enable us to do that. So um, on behalf of all the dads in our room today, Lord, dads-to-be, and those whose, whose kids have moved on and now have their own families, we pray for all these dads who's asking that you would make them these kinds of men that we've talked about, the kind of man who who is in love with you passionately and, and, and Lord, who is truthful and content and wise in a crooked world. For your glory, for the good of the next generation, we pray this. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen.